0: Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh, producer here at Realm. A new episode of Ominous Thrill is ready for your ears. It's Advice After Dark. Late night radio host Bella Donna delivers extreme advice to the delighted horror of her audience until a creepy listener forces her to confront the brutal consequences of her show. Here's a preview. Welcome to my live stream, Bella. Say hello to everyone. What do you want? Click the link. Watch along. I'm not clicking links from psychos. You put that trash on the radio every night and I'm the psycho. You sound like you need help. I'm not one of your fake callers. My show is very, very real. Do you want to know what it's called? No, I don't. It's called Belladonna Gets What's Coming. Starring you. What? It's really starring me. But it's all about you. And you'd be surprised how many people want to watch you get what's coming. I called the police. They'll be here any minute.
1: Welcome to the season finale of Shadows at the Door, the podcast. As always, I'm Mark Nixon, and together with David Ault, it's my pleasure to bring you another ghostly audio drama. Before we begin, I hope you'll forgive this short indulgence. We wanted to say that we've been overwhelmed by the support and feedback you've all given us, and though this is the season finale, we hope to bring you more pleasing terrors in the future. Please see the show notes and all the episode's discussion for more information. Now, our season began with the story Leave a Light On For Me. It followed Professor Troughton as he travelled to examine an ancient lantern, an experience he barely survived. Today, Professor Troughton returns in a story named Silent Warnings. In this tale, the Professor settles back into normal life But a colleague soon pulls him back into the shadows you need not have listened to leave a light on for me to understand this sequel but you will find more to enjoy if you have it is quite appropriate that trouton has become the bookends for this season as you'll learn after the production so gather around the fire pour yourself some tea and we'll begin
2: A very young, very arrogant man. Well, as most young men certainly are. And he came with a singular purpose, the absolute reversal of his father's foreign policies. And you must remember, this period was the most glorious soap opera of all time. The whole future of countries turning on what these huge personalities felt like when they got out of bed in the morning. And Henry wants what every red-blooded king wants, to start a fight with the French. <laughs> However, he finds himself confronted I've got to say, Professor Troughton looks well. Namely, a structure of rhyme, and backhanders... What, you mean for a man who is nearly strangled the to death? The English
0: political establishment well, yeah,
2: but he doesn't look bothered, does he? This, of course, was down to Henry's father, who <laughs> had wanted... To Were you expecting a neck brace? No. He just seems as well as he was before the trip, more so even. I'm pretty sure he's always okay once he's had his Earl Grey. Hey, maybe he got laid. I don't think he does that. Henry then has to overcome this, and he also has to overcome the assumption that peace was a good thing. And how well was Henry VIII equipped to do this? Well, we'll discuss that next time. For now, though, are there any questions? Any questions relating to Tudor foreign policy and not my recent mishap? (laughs) Your concern continues to warm my heart, though I wish you would direct your energies to better use. That's it for today. I will see you all tomorrow. Right, I'm just going to give him these. I still think it's weird to give him flowers. Well, it was my girlfriend's idea, if you must know. Right, well, I'll meet you outside. Uh, Excuse me, Professor? Yes? Yes. Oh, uh, yes, hello, Um, Mr. Uh, Watson, isn't it? Close. Watkins. Ah, yes. And what is it I can do for you, Mr. Watkins? I just wanted to say that we're all pleased to have you back so soon. Um, Some of us got you some flowers. Oh, my. Very kind. Get well soon. I do wonder how one can get well soon over an assault. Uh, But, yes, terribly kind. Thank you, Mr. Watkins. Well, I I know it's... No, no, it's not. Honestly, thanks without end. Oh, I I see Professor Irving waiting for you. I'll see you tomorrow, Professor. Yes, see you then, Mr. Watkins. (laughs) Get well soon. Troughton. Come on, give me a hug. Oh, um, nice to see you too, Irving. Um, yeah, thank you. How have you been? Uh, not bad, all things considered. Yes, you look well. Thank you, and, um, not to be rude, Irving, but I wish I could say the same for you. <laughs> You look... tired. Oh, well... I am. Been a lot on my mind, I suppose. Oh? Anything you'd like to talk about? Maybe. Tell you what, drinks tonight. How about it? Oh, God, you're not offering to be there for me, are you? Everyone's been doing that, and when did everyone get so touchy-feely? Troughton, old boy, I'm not interested in discussing what happened in Northumberland. I wanted some company tonight and thought you might too. It'd be a great excuse for me to open that cognac. The Louis Thirteenth. That's the one. Well, then, you've twisted my arm. Of course I have. Look, I best crack on, but let's say eight o'clock. Do you remember the way? Certainly. And I'll see you then. Oh, and be careful on your way up. The weather's been relentless in my neck of the woods, and the roads are bad enough at the best of times. Yes, mother. Cheeky bastard. I should have rearranged for another evening. The sun set a little too eagerly that day. I was late leaving work, but even so, I had not expected dusk so soon. The drive to Irving's was considerable, 50 minutes along country roads, and while our colleagues were baffled by his lengthy commute and refusal to move closer to the university, I understood exactly why he did it. Irving lived a solitary life, alone in his sumptuous cottage outside of Coventry. I admit it's the sort of place I'd love to end up myself. I've touched on this before, but I've always been a man who has contemplated mortality. My recent experience did not make that much difference, it must be said. And no, it is not an existential anxiety. I know my place in existence, and I am thankful for it. Even so, life is fragile, and I admit to gripping the steering wheel that little tighter and stealing myself as I drove along the winding country roads. The wind began to push the rain sideways, leaving the windscreen unusually clear. What little sun there was set behind and flared into the rearview mirror. I slowed down, as is the sensible thing to do in such conditions, and then something caught my eye. Good lord, who's that on the road? What are they doing? At first I thought it a-pedestrian, even in this weather, but the shape was not solid. The spray of rain onto the road seemed to coalesce and wisp into the vague silhouette of a figure. It was there, and yet it wasn't. What the hell is that? (laughs) The car began to swerve, and with white knuckles I tried to pull it back under control. I took my eyes off the phenomenon for only the briefest of seconds, and when I glanced back, it held both shapeless arms above its head. It never moved from the other side of the road, and if there was intelligence behind the gesture, it was not to threaten but to catch my attention. It seemed to cower and I I think it had wanted me to stop. (sighs) The shape began to fall apart as each raindrop passed through and I blinked to clear it from my sight completely as if it had been a hallucination. But I still saw the hands linger before they too dissipated. Trout and get it together man. What had I seen? A trick of the light, had light passed through the rain and warped into something my mind's eye twisted into a familiar shape? Or was it the delusion of a traumatized mind I had insisted was fully recovered? There was another option, of course, but I was not willing to entertain it. Deep breaths, hands on the wheel. continued along the road i kept an eye on the rearview mirror there was nothing quickly come in (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) wet is it just a tad did you get here okay um yes yes uh, no problems good now come through I've got the fire on cup of tea Oh, yes, please. It really is a lovely cottage, Irving. You know what, Irving? That clock, that one right there, is very loud. Oh, 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 time flies. You know, Jeffrey, this is the most relaxed I've ever seen you. You've even loosened your tie. <laughs> well, I suppose it is out of working hours. It's a hard habit to break, nonetheless. You know, in Oxford, we... <laughs> I beg your pardon? You always find a way to pepper Oxford into the conversation. Do I? Yep. Is Warwick not posh enough for you? Now, Irving, you know that's not the case. Uh, Philip. Oh, uh, of course. Y- yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> Philip you know i'm honored to be at warwick i should hope so bloody good university is warwick i did my undergraduate here actually it's in my blood stay here long enough and it'll seep into yours too like some delightful virus (laughs) right i'm empty refill our drinks please Another toast. Yes. Um to Warwick. Nicely done. To Warwick. <laughs> I must say that's very fine cognac. An expensive taste, though quite worth it. Books and booze, that's all my money goes on. Oh. Yes, I-, I was showing off my hardbacks, wasn't I? Yes, and you had a, a lot more fiction than I anticipated. Come now, there's more to life than study. Uh, for example, some... Uh, oh, have a gander at this beauty. Hmm? Uh, um... Hmm, um... A beautiful binding. Uh, The Golem. I didn't see you as a reader of horror. (laughs) Christ, you'd better not look at the paperback collection, then. Oh, no, (laughs) no. I I hold nothing against the genre. I myself once read The The Haunting of Hill House, for example. Good lord. Jeffrey reads for fun. And gothic horror, no less. Oh, one book. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, how um, how do you feel about that sort of stuff now? Anyway. Hmm. What stuff? Well, you know, um, spirits and ghosts. What do you mean? Well, after um after your uh, your recent um... I haven't the foggiest idea what you're talking about. Well, hang on. You call that a top-up? Hey, give me the bottle. <laughs> you're trying to get me drunk and I'm succeeding. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> hey, hey careful, don't spill it. No. Uh, oh. Oh. Philip, you have the most uncomfortable sofa I've ever had the displeasure to sleep on. Oh. It's far too early. Yeah. Are you awake? Oh. oh, how the students do this every day, I have no clue. Uh. Oh. Philip? Philip? Uh, Philip, are you awake? Uh, do you want a cup of tea? Come in, Geoffrey. Um, sorry if I've woken you. I'm rather desperate for a cup of tea. Uh, oh, um, you're half-dressed. Uh, <laughs> have you even been to bed? I tried. I couldn't. I'm glad you're up, though. Are are you all right? Have you been staring out of the window all morning, Philip? There's someone watching me. What? Come and see. Do you see him? Uh, uh, Oh. Oh, yes. Uh, Just about. There's a... There's a fellow in the field. I'm almost relieved you see him. (laughs) Why wouldn't I? He's wrong, that one. (laughs) um, What on earth are you on about? It's just some rambler. No, it's not. Hmm, I rather think it is some eccentric local with a penchant for walks at six in the morning. It's really not. Well, what makes you so sure? He, um, what he, he's been around for a week now. Appearing, I mean. I, I mean, at first I assumed, as you did, some oddball. But he, he simply a, appears every so often. Never moving. Never, never going anywhere. He's always outside. Always staring at me. And I don't like it. Have you tried talking to him? After his second appearance, I shouted over. Nothing aggressive. Nothing? Not a thing. The thing is, Jeffrey, I i, I, I rather think I, I... I rather think he's not quite alive. I beg your pardon. I thought you of all people would understand. <laughs> why, Philip, why would I understand, hmm? After what you've said about the lantern in Anworth, you you saw something. We've been over this. You gave me your rehearsed explanation. Well, let's find out, shall we? What? Oh yes, let's find out. You and I, right now. Get your coat. frog-marched poor Irving out the door. I had half hoped that the watcher in the field would not be there by the time we stepped outside, but there he remained. We didn't speak to each other as we approached. I cannot speak for Irving, but I suppose I attempted an air of authority, a pitiful attempt at intimidation, as it were. The rising sun was behind the figure, the brightness so much that it was almost blinding. Being forced to look at the ground was a blessing. Despite my apparent resolve, I did not relish confrontation. I stole glances as we approached. The dark shape of the Watcher was a black hole against the sea of light. At first, he appeared as a pupil in a large, bright eye. Through some effort and squinting, I was able to see that the figure wore a large black overcoat perhaps too formal for a country walk. At last we reached him, and I stood closer than Irving, of course. That was to be expected. I raised a hand to shield my view, and I tried to meet the fellow in the eye. However, our visitor was looking at the ground, thin, straggly hair draped over skin, seemingly too pale to be healthy. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Might we speak with you? for goodness sake. You there. Troughton. I said, excuse me. You see, Philip, just some fool who doesn't even have the decency to speak to us. Some nosy cretin making us doubt our own bloody sanity. At this point, I took a step forward, for what purpose I didn't know and still don't, but I was not able to entertain the thought further. The man, the Watcher, raised its head. Or at least it tried. The neck leaned back, yet the head remained forward, and I realized he had not been looking down out of choice. The neck soon leaned back enough to cause the head to limply loll backward, giving us a full view of the face. Never before had I been so reminded that the body is simply a shell of organs and bones. Irving had been convinced this man was not alive, and I had berated him. But does a living man's skin pull tightly over bones? does a living man's jaw drop open involuntarily and does he look at you with eyes gray and rotten how does such a thing glare with such disdain such malice why was there instantly such judgment passed over us or perhaps just one He's gone. He must have left when we walked away. Oh, are you satisfied, Troughton? That's unfair. I told you that wasn't a bloody man. Are you convinced now, hmm? No smart answer this time? Look, I accept that there are things far grander and far spare me a politician's answer. Philip, if you'd seen what I've seen, then you'd be equally keen to hide from the truth.
0: I killed someone,
2: Geoffrey. What? Last month. Just before you went away, I hit someone on the drive back from work. Oh, God. Irving, was this... Up the hill, there's a sharp turn in the road. I, I know. I, I, I lost control last night myself on the way here. I, I, I saw something... There oh, was some pensioner walking across the road. He he saw me before I saw him. He looked... He looked terrified, Geoffrey. I, I couldn't stop the car in time. Well, did you stop? Uh, after you hit him, I mean. <laughs> Irving, did you stop? No. knows that bloody thing knows you don't know that oh come on you saw him he knows and he's making sure i don't forget it look i don't know what's going on i i i don't know what's beyond this life i i've seen things i can't explain that much is true but but the simplest explanation is often the most correct one is it not Irving, if what you say is true, if this thing knows, perhaps if you take responsibility, it will relent. Look, it's Friday today. You have until Monday, and if you don't do something, well, I will. Oh, no. Just. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sleep was but a concept that weekend. Come Monday, I stood in my office on the fifth floor in the midst of an anxious fever. My phone rested heavily in my breast pocket, ever ready to make the call that would both betray my friend, but make steps to put things right. I looked to the offices across the university grounds, looking for distraction. My next lecture was but an hour away, and yet I had done little to prepare. I scanned the workplaces through the clear glass wall and saw something that stood against the modern setting. I saw the unmistakably wasted figure of the thing from outside Irving's cottage. I had scarcely been able to look back when I first saw him, but now I stared. I stared until my eyes ached and dried. Its head, though limp and to one side, was still able to fix on me, and in the expressionless face there was somehow a countenance, a burning sensation of anger. Whether this malevolence was aimed at me, I was unsure, but my view was suddenly obstructed for the most fleeting of seconds as something suddenly passed between us. My God! It was Irving. He fell twelve floors from the roof, quite on purpose, I'm told. Atonement, it seems, was too much to ask of him, and I remain disappointed, to say the least. I ran down to see him and fought through the crowd. Bodies that fall from such heights are not as clean and intact as you would hope. I have yet to return to the roads leading to Irving's cottage, but I suspect that if I do, the shape that appeared in the rain will not be there again. And I doubt, I hope, that I will never see the watcher again also. He had done his job. Let that be the end of it.
0: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's king of the egg cream. So, if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And that was Silent Warnings, written by me. I am joined, as always, and for the ninth time, the entire cast, David Alt.
2: Thank you very much, Mark. Pleasure to be back. Ninth and final, possibly time.
1: <laughs> you tease. <laughs>
2: I know very much so, but mm. uh, yes, it was uh, a pleasure to be back as Professor Troughton mm. in all his tweed-repressed glory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, uh, I uh, do like the professor, although he's only had two uh, published stories, of, of which we've now you've now heard. Um, I feel like I've had this character for a long time, and. I don't know how all the other writers listening do it, but I have on my hard drive probably 15 short stories that have been started and never finished. (laughs) Two of which are Troughton's stories, but then one of them, there was a third, but then I heavily changed it halfway through and it became Carven Colour, which appeared on the No Sleep podcast. Yes, yes, I remember. That was Christmas a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah, I'd always wanted to do a story about a haunted... A haunted tattoo especially as somebody who has many tattoos so um the idea was that troughton having now seen you know quite you know at least three ghosts was now obsessed with researching them and he traveled to durham and then <laughs> the paragraphs i wrote of him exploring durham became the story quemen for a nos which now appears in the shadows of the door anthology but he went to durham yeah to find a very rare book, even though we have no independent book... Well, we do. We don't have many independent bookshops in Durham. And he met someone who was doing the same thing, but this character was covered in tattoos, which he would use to almost fight Trouton, but then, of course, it became the story in No Sleep, which then became a bit of a a Weinstein response story. But uh, I would... <laughs> if you're curious about the story, and indeed, David Old is in the story. He's marvellous. Mm-hmm. Huh. I would mm-hmm. suggest finding the... British Christmas special that David you actually directed i believe.
2: Uh I I was behind it certainly. Uh it was directed mostly though by Olivia White who is our um script manager and all-round person kind of thing at the No Sleep podcast. Uh the mm-hmm. British Christmas special is one of the um specials paid for specials. Uh so you would need to get the season pass or there is the option of just getting the christmas specials so um that more information on that at the no sleep website yes but also i do have one of my stories on there as well as one of the which was which uh, actually was one of the stories i did at the newcastle castle uh, event back it's in all December. connected
1: there's a, it a meme all David. connected there's a meme of Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia putting all this red string on the wall, turning to look at someone, and his eyes are bloodshot, and he's tired. It's like all of our short stories are connected. It's all very incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Trouton, he's he's back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's back, and he's more repressed than ever. <laughs> walking in walking into his friend's bedroom early in the morning with his friend half naked it's 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 dripping dripping with with sexual tension
1: <laughs> well that's it because i i thought i was being really smug and smart and when i <laughs> wrote it I, I, I mean i wrote this story years ago this this story got heavily rewritten to as did leave a light on for me for the podcast it was a nice opportunity to address you know what I would have changed in the story when I did this, but i I always liked having that little bit of tension between Irving and Trouton. then David Alt says, "Hold my beer or tea," <laughs> and with Irving's performance, I mean I thought I obviously had to listen to this several times when I was editing it, and then I listened to it once for fun at the end when it is indeed released, but you definitely went a bit gay with the performance, didn't you David <laughs>
2: well i i i tried not to go overly so but uh i when trying to come up with another voice I, I just thought well why not go full alan bennett so as i was sitting drinking my tea and talking with vera duckworth about custard creams and i thought oh well why not and and <laughs> i did yeah that was just where it where it started, I toned, I I reined it back because I felt I'm not going to go, not going to go that
1: far. I will point out if, start. if we do the outtakes, there is a there's a bit when Troughton knocks on the door, <laughs> and the script calls for Irving to go come in. Jeffrey, David will sometimes give me um, several takes of one line to uh so I can pick, <laughs> as any good actor would. And it's like, come in, Jeffrey. Come in, Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey. Uh, come in, Jeffrey. You sexy sod, you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I beg your pardon. That's not in the script.
2: <laughs> Just like the 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 dog poo in the Signalman.
1: Yes. Yeah, there's all these little gems that I need to. Find if I didn't hastily remove them in, in my quest to get these out once a week. And, uh, <laughs> well, they weren't production a long time, but yes. But yeah, I mean, um, as we've discussed, and, and I will touch it again in, in the first episode, uh, Troughton is very much a Jamesian protagonist, uh, albeit mm-hmm. with slightly, believe it or not, less stuffy than a Jamesian protagonist. But, and as we've discussed in previous episodes, there is that suppressed sexuality element to James that um, many of us see when we read it. So, I very much enjoyed putting that into Trouton, uh, and I couldn't help myself with the line of maybe he got laid. I don't think he does that, so <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs>
2: and and it was very much a Jamesian story as well because we have uh, the Irving who has done an action, as we discussed in number thirteen. The, your, the the Jamesian protagonists will will do an action, whether it's getting a book, looking at a wood cutting. Um, getting a crown out of the ground they will do an action and then there will be there will be a watcher yeah something coming closer slowly in in all of those ways yeah in this one spoiler alert you've just listened to it <laughs> uh, this this ghostly watcher um kills or causes irving to plummet to his death
1: and what i like about this story is that we we kind of join it halfway through irving's story mm. he's he's knocked the person down and we see that person in the roadside you know like a, an echo of their dramatic death and then the the watcher which is this almost like reaper that is there to uh, make uh, irving atone uh, for it or indeed just have revenge and you could start that from A to B, but instead Troughton is brought into it. And I actually really enjoyed having a story where they're actually arguing whether it's a ghost or not, because in so many of these classic mm. stories, it's like, oh my God, my bedsheets have come to life. And and then later I reflected that it, it could be a ghost. Oh, oh my God, there's a guy chasing me. And later I decided it could be a ghost. In this one, this, they're literally going, it's a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's a fucking ghost. You know, and... <laughs> And I enjoyed that. It's very <laughs> rare that a character can use the G word in a ghost story. And yes,
2: yes, very true. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, when I when I saw the words "the watcher" and then also having Irving fall to his death, uh, and and you know sue me, but I am getting my Doctor Who reference in early. Uh, at in Legopolis, the last Tom Baker story. He is haunted by the ghostly watcher. He was the doctor all along. He was the doctor all along. Exactly. So you've got this, this white ghostly shrouded figure that appears in all the, in a whole load of various areas which, and the music that went along with that. I, I always like that, that sort of motif, but anyway, that's a that's different thing entirely. Um, and of course, it ends up the watcher is there to remind the doctor that he is going to die. Mm. and then at the end he's there uh tom baker falls from the jodrell bank telescope and the watcher is there to be the future echo of the next doctor
1: and I love how comfortable the doctor looks once he's fallen. It's like, I mean, it's a exactly. very famous clip. You can find it on YouTube. But so the doctor has yep. just fallen and he's just lying there. and He's like, ah, this is very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> his scarf neatly, you know, tied around him. And, yes. and indeed, in, in Silent Warnings, uh, um, Trouton has just said, bodies that fall from such a height are rarely as clean as you would like them mm-hmm. to be. I'm glad yes. you you made a Doctor Who reference because as I was listening to it, I thought this is a bit Woman in Black, which is <laughs> a huge influence on me. Which uh, I couldn't help but wonder. But The Watcher, of course, does not for serving to. <laughs> you know, a writer once told me to never expurge my stories. <laughs> Coming from uh, from David Lynch as well. But um, yeah, so the The Watcher does not. He doesn't supernaturally make Avon do it. He just drives him insane by watching him and making him know that he knows. Mm. Yeah. Would the
2: would the watcher have stayed at the same distance, do you think, wherever Irving went?
1: I had always imagined it. And in fact, when I was writing it, there was going to be another scene where Irving saw him. where He was always some distance away. Like, it was always, mm. it was always, he was never going to be, like, one day he opens the curtains and he's there. In fact, that mm. image is actually from a different story that I've written. But anyway, <laughs> um, it was always going to be, it was just always, not quite in his in his peripheral, but just somewhere in the background. It would just, however, in the story of it makes it clear he's always at the house. Just purely because, as I was beginning to write ghost stories, this is when I started living on my own and I live in a very old house sometimes the idea of just someone being outside my house looking at the house Mm. would be an image that would really creep myself out and that's where a lot of my stories come from just I I tease myself with these little horrifying images that might sound quite mundane to you listening right now but to me you know it's like you're doing your dishes you look out there's someone in your garden looking at you Mm. that would be quite scary
2: Interesting, yes. Because, um, of course, you, we're going back there to Pit Village and <laughs> the people that would stand outside your house looking in while while your carpets are getting uh, <laughs> changed
1: over. Well, I guess if it's during the day, they're cult members are about to kill me. If it's at night, they're ghosts. <laughs> so there are rules, Dave. And what but
2: is it? what is it that you've done that requires a, a watcher to be there to... Um, to, to make you
1: atone for your sins, I don't know I'd probably just try to be the center of attention when I was at my friends or something like that <laughs> I think from i imagine there'll be there'll be people listening who have written stories that have appeared in audio productions, and it is always very exciting when your story's adapted for that, but one thing I really enjoyed about this one was um was an eco soundtrack in fact out of all of the the nine episodes this is probably my favorite soundtrack it's it's so deliciously electronic and very much influenced you know we we were looking at like the soundtracks from Trent Reznor and, and Atticus Ross um because the whole point of this podcast, it was, it was the whole format was meant to be new story, old story, new story, old story. So it was like shadows of the doors, old meets new, and we very much tried to convey that with the music, like we discussed last week. This time, mm-hmm. we said to Nico, you know what? Let's just go full on new. Let's just really go into it. And I think you you will all agree that it sounded absolutely fantastic. So once again, thank you, Nico.
2: Yes, that it did. Thank you very much.
1: And as you said, David, a lot of my stories are Jamesian, but I do always try and give them a bit of a, a modern twist. Now, we'll probably cover this a little bit more in the Q&A session, but somebody did mention what is it about the ghost story appeals? And most ghost stories are set in the past because, of course, with modern horror stories, a lot of the time you the terror of this can be averted with the use of a smartphone. So mm. ghost stories, of course, when they're set in a certain time, do not have the smartphones. And... Mm-hmm. I try to write stories in which the use of a smartphone would not stop it, and and certainly from the few stories in this one, it wouldn't really do anything whether you had one or not. Mm. But certainly in this story, you know, we have trout in the car, so I guess a car is modern. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh yes. There weren't that many cars around at this time. <laughs> but then I, I have written stories in the past, uh, and and again, Carve and Colour for No Sleep, where the use of a phone is actually very important. the story so
2: Mm. yes i think there i I mean i i haven't written nearly as much as you have and and in fact i've only essentially got four published stories Mm. and those have all been christmas episodes and no sleep (laughs) um but uh oh there's a couple on reddit but i think the one writing tip that i was given which i've tried to stick to is why is this happening now Mm. And uh, and what would the protagonist do to try and stop stop it if it's something bad?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and try and think because I, I've listened to some stories where you just think there is a massive plot hole here. Why wouldn't this person do XYZ? Mm-hmm. You've got to think if if the audience is screaming that, then you've got to address that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I've always thought when I've done writing, why is it happening now? And why isn't the protagonist doing everything in their power to stop it
1: mm-hmm.
2: or to address, you know, what what could be?
1: No, I do agree with what you're saying, because in, in your story, all children look the same. The, car- the protagonist does everything he can to prove what he perceives is happening is true. And he is... Mm. He's foiled in several ways. Some of them are quite amusing, but again, we won't we won't spoil that too much because you should seek that out. Uh, all children look the same on no doubt a Christmas special of the No Sleep It podcast. was the first
2: the first Christmas special. Um, that yeah, it was the first Christmas special. It was the twenty fifteen one. Yes, twenty fifteen Christmas special.
1: Much as David Old isn't a huge fan, it's time he admits he is the Charles Dickens. Of the No Sleep Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but moving away from that from that podcast, we should talk about our own. Uh, so yes. A little bit more. <laughs> Although not something I've come up with. Even and I've been writing for a good few years now, and about a year ago I just I was watching an interview with Neil Gaiman. No, I was reading A View from the Cheap Seats, which is his book of collections of articles and such. And at one point he says, write the stories you want to read. And that's the most mm. simple, the most simple thing I've ever heard. And yet, because sometimes, especially when I was writing my first few stories, I was like, well, okay, I'm going to write this for this audience. You know, I, I want it to appeal to these kind of readers. And now it's like, no, I, I'm writing what I want to, to read. And... I've got damn good taste, so <laughs> the kind of stuff <laughs> but, yes. but the, the kind of stuff that I want to read is hopefully the kind of stuff that other people want to read. And Neil Gaiman's just uh, wonderful, whimsical as fuck, but wonderful writer and man. And you know, a Brilliant line such as writer, that, yes, um, it's just yes. something that I very much remember when I'm writing.
2: Yes, an excellent writer, not just for Doctor
1: Who, but in. In his own right, I think. I like that you. He did. You, Neil Gaiman, a, a part-time Doctor Who writer, who's also published some novels and short stories and comic books. <laughs>
2: I've not heard of. I love of his them. Neverwhere collection.
1: I mean, I actually prefer his short stories too. because some of the, some of the novels that he writes is not necessarily the genre that I'm interested in, which is like you know mm. you're Terry mm-hmm. Pratt, your Terry Pratchett fantasy types, but uh, certainly his short stories, and he can write a, t- a terrifying short story. In fact, Neil oh. Gaiman even wrote a, a marvellous essay on Ghost Stories and why we write them now. In fact, what I would suggest is, again, I'm going to make another book recommendation is, is and this is one where I do feel like an audiobook is stronger than the, the, uh, the physical book. View from the cheap seats, get it on Audible. Neil actually narrates the entire thing, and it feels like he's just having a conversation with you. You can do your dishes and he's in your head going, but what are dishes and why do we wash them? Yeah, it's just... It's sounding a bit Brian Cox there. <laughs> yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the limitations of my range. But uh, in any fantasy dinner party, I would very much have to have Neil Gaiman in there. Mm-hmm. You know, David, whenever I see a new film, I have this habit I've had for years where as soon as I see the film, I then go on IMDb and I read all the trivia about it. I must know every bit of trivia. So... If people want a little bit of trivia for this story, when Irving is arguing with Troughton about Irving saying, you must have seen a ghost, Trout begins to say, look, I accept that there are things in this life... Trouton is actually starting to t- uh, recite the script from the first episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I see. <laughs> yes, and
1: he was like, "Had Irving not have interrupted him, Irving would have listened to leave a light on for me." <laughs> 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 well, that's very good and well trouting, but that guy's still outside.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, if I come back to where to to the voice, um, uh, I I reeled it back from Alan Bennett and and went more for the sort of Brian Cox.
1: Yes, yeah. So the
2: whole thing is just amazing. (laughs) And if you think about the stars and how far away they are, they're really, really
0: far away.
1: Although not impossible, but improbable, Troughton has loosened his tie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's actually that line where I actually heard uh, Brian Cox in in your voice. You've even loosened your tie. <laughs> Join me next week with Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs>
2: <laughs> But yes, that was that was that was where I got the uh the inspiration for uh Irving's voice because I I was trying to think of a of a decent way to make the two voices distinct. Mm. Um and it, it can be quite difficult to make some voices distinct number 13 uh we've we've actually commented ourselves that it was it was a bit difficult at some points to know who was speaking and i apologize for that that's that's entirely my failing um but you got it, it to have someone of a similar age and to be able to pull off an accent properly um i I played around with the students to begin with, and this you didn't hear because i I stopped myself and and I said no, you know, no way uh yeah i tried I tried one being Irish, but I just couldn't quite get it right, and so I thought I'm not gonna do it, so I'll just go go back to um Pit Village guy and just sort of stick that in instead
1: but i I think you know if we do do a season two, I've certainly mm. come out of my shell a bit and you, have, you know yes. what's really interesting, Davidson, I've never told you this before. So this is this is uh, I actually oh. dabbled with being a voice artist about um, maybe about ten years ago. Oh yeah. just because everybody everybody would always comment on my accent. It never it it never it was slightly less northern than it is now. And I created a show reel, and I even for a while I had agreed to start doing traffic reports for. A radio in Newcastle, but I couldn't get there on time mm. <laughs> after six form. <laughs> uh, but I did, and and but then for some reason I just really went off the idea, and and now I'm like in season two I might perform <laughs> <laughs> like Stephen Toe <laughs> still, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you you haven't watched Toss of London, have you, David? No. I just told, Matt Berry plays a voice actor, for, well, an actor who does voice work. Oh
2: yes, you've told me to watch this before. Yeah. I'm sure. And I just
1: love it. He's just one. Yeah. There's one episode that starts off him in the booth going, "Are you deaf? I said are you fucking deaf? If you are, you might need a hearing aid. Call one eight hundred now.'" <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's it's um, yes. very fun. I would suggest that people watch it and they might enjoy it. Yes, yes. yes. Random sitcom recommendation for you there. So we've
2: um, we've talked, uh, we've teased, we've mentioned an idea of a second series, and uh, we have. Never mind that,
1: David. The people are demanding a second season.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what one thing that we haven't talked about in. Uh, the discussions before because we've usually recorded them before we've actually launched anything, um, is uh, our survey where people can uh, take a little look, uh, tell us what you think, what you would like to see, and also ask us a question for our question and answer session. And um, actually we'll begin this uh, by asking you, uh, the listeners, not just to fill out our survey, but also tweet us who would you bring to a dinner party if you wanted five five people, living, dead, uh, five people to bring along to a, a dinner party? Who would they be? Let us know. I know
1: I would definitely not invite David Alt.
2: That's fair enough. Yeah, we've we've, <laughs> we've already had dinner once, twice. In fact, twice.
1: Yeah, no, it's that legendary, you know, <laughs> the beginning of like anything where they talk about that legendary dinner where it all came together or the legendary <laughs> conference call.
2: <laughs> no, it was just you hawking your books in Sheffield.
1: <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, but again, that is one of the questions in the Q&A. So yes. we'll talk about the, the origin of Shadows at the Door the podcast so yeah let us uh, we'll be thinking of our five people that we
2: would like to bring to a dinner party have a think about yours get in touch let us know uh but also i would like to say a big thank you to everyone who has bought us a cup of old gray or two or three or four um, yes it's been
1: really lovely thank you so much everyone i'm not actually used to it I'm, i'm still not used to people listening to the show and enjoying it (laughs) <laughs> and then being so kind as to put their hand in their pocket and to try and help us make more. It's mm-hmm. it's just really nice. Thanks, it is. guys.
2: It is. <laughs> and uh, I've just been at the Pod UK convention, so this is dating this episode now for uh, when we are actually recording this discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've I've said about uh, the No Sleep tours before, listeners are, to me, invariably lovely. Hmm. Uh, the podcast community the people that will come to see the no sleep live shows the people that came to the podcast convention other people who are doing podcasting audio drama etc are invariably lovely people because it's such a nurturing community where we want people to to produce their own stuff to 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 create and and it's it's a really warm yeah really warm community and it's a it's a, an honor and a pleasure to be a part of it
1: and not just podcasts, but like horror as well. Yes. Most people who like horror are just nice people. And that sounds like I'm just trying to say it to get a t-shirt made or something. <laughs> it is it's just true. And and even like you see people covered in tattoos and and certainly when I was growing up, uh, you know you were told like tattoos were a bit rough. <laughs> the people that you look at that you think and they're really into like dark stuff and and, and all that, they're just really nice. Just nice people. <laughs> and most of my best friends well, a lot of my best friends are women who are really into true crime podcasts. So one thing David and I discussed as we were getting more feedback, and we've kind of come to this realization in our last episode, <laughs> is giving a little, a tiny little bit more structure to the discussion. Uh, one thing that we, we found that we did is, and I might, if I have the time, I might go back and actually put on the website what exactly we have recommended. Mm. and where people can can get them is we found ourselves recommending films books podcasts and i don't know country parks um but i found abbey is lovely (laughs) but yeah so what we thought we might do is that we might at the end of each discussion wrap up with a little quick thing of you know like what's mark reading what's david listening to or indeed performing in you know what film did we see what would we recommend on that note, just to kind of give you a little bit of a hint, is I'm going to recommend a book that I am currently halfway through. Mm-hmm. It's called *The Quick* by Lauren Owen. I bought this book about three or four years ago, and I actually saw the author do a talk at the Durham Book Festival. And it's about now. It's going to sound really like you've heard this many times before. It's it's uh, it's about vampires in the mid 1800s, and they're gay oh yeah oh david's ears have pricked up so it's, <laughs> yeah so it's about it's about these two guys who you know they're finding it hard to like well it's about this one guy who's finding it hard to kind of fit into life and he he's a writer as and he moves to london to be a writer and he assumes all the interesting things will happen to him there he becomes a big fan of oscar Wilde. he starts idolizing him and and basically this 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 club of which all the members are vampires is is introduced into the story, and I won't spoil it from there. But it is—it's reminding me very much of when I first read the picture of Dorian Gray, in mm. the respect that I was reading a like a classically themed book, which was beautifully written. It had like supernatural elements to it. To all the I, I enjoy the the gay aspect to it as well, because as we've discussed, there's not enough of that in stories. Very much so, and I'm halfway through it. And I'm sat thinking, this might be one of my new favorite books. Hmm. I'm n- not massively aware of Lauren Owen as a writer, besides this book and having seen her do a wonderful talk in Durham. Uh, I actually think she wrote this book while she was doing her masters as well at Durham. So, wow. yeah, really just, I'm really enjoying it. and I And I really think if... Uh, in, indeed there have been some people who have said that they've read the picture of dorian gray or reread it after we talked about it so i would very much recommend the quick by lauren owen and perhaps i might have finished it by the time we do our q a round but uh, i think it would be quite nice for, for to recommend a book to you guys and and, and podcasts as well as we're talking about and well, movies. in that in
2: that case uh the podcast that i've been listening to and has just actually finished uh, so all of the episodes are now there for you to listen to. Is small town horror, which is I've heard of this the uh, the story of one man who goes back to the town of his childhood and all of the stuff that happens there and his investigation into what happened to him when he was a child uh it's not it's it's not a huge cast it's mostly john grills who is behind the creepy podcast who is a a lovely guy he uh came to our minneapolis shows both years Mm. and brought cookies as well Um, when you say
1: hour you mean no sleep no
2: sleep yes um yeah yeah so he's he's the main narrator for the first three seasons uh but there are I would say up to a dozen other people in there as as uh, supporting cast.
1: That does sound interesting.
2: So yeah, that is my that's, that, and that as I say, the the fourth season has just been released as a as a block. So uh, take a listen to that. Everything is now there. You can listen to all four seasons.
1: Excellent. I actually quite like binging. The reason why this episode came out weekly is I had initially suggested releasing half of the season one block and doing the rest. Having never done a podcast before, and David said that's kind of not what listeners want. They want to have a regular mm-hmm. show to listen to. In hindsight, I wonder if, uh, if 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 Weekly was perhaps a little bit too harsh on myself for production. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the stories have already been made, but then it's it's recording, it's getting the, the intros done and the, and the mm-hmm. discussions done and then edited down. Mm-hmm. But I, now that our full season's out, David, I, I do hope that there'll be new listeners who are binging us or going back and, and looking at the statistics. It seems to be that people, some people are going back to listen to the discussion once mm-hmm. they just listen to the story. And indeed, to you listening right now, thank you, but perhaps you might like to go back and binge the stories again, or indeed the full episodes, just to help the analysis, the analytics, you know? So, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and I think as well, I'll, I'll also wrap this up with a film recommendation ooh, as well. Oh, careful. Yeah, trifecta, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I'm not going to recommend Velvet Buzzsaw because I saw that last night and it was really shit, but I loved it. Um <laughs> I'm going to recommend a film that you should be able to find on Netflix, both U.S. and U.K. and Canada, called Under the Shadow. It is, it's is—it's actually a British-made film, but it is set in Iran. But it's its the early 90s, so I do, do believe it's the Gulf War. And it is about a mother who was training to be a doctor but has not been allowed to finish her training because of her political uh, leanings. And her husband goes off. He's been conscripted into the army to go treat people. Her husband's a doctor as well. So she is stuck in an apartment complex with her daughter. And everyone starts evacuating, but they don't. And they are haunted by a jinn, which is a, a sort of ghost or, or very much in, Islam, in the Islamic A spirit. Uh, it's a spirit. A spirit, yeah. And without ruining it too much, the jinn looks very much like... So this this protagonist she's quite liberal and and the and the jin looks very much like a, a large headscarf or a burqa. Mm. So there's a little bit of symbolism in her being oppressed. Mm. Uh, mm. as a woman. But then it's it's also really scary and it's not in English, so you, I would suggest watch watch it with subtitles. Always watch with subtitles rather than dubbed. But it's one of my favorite horror movies. It's really scary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the jump scares. It's very atmospheric. You can find it on Netflix, and I just not enough people have seen it. And I really would recommend that you watch Into the Shadow, and tell us if you enjoyed it because I I saw it at the cinema, and I had to see it in a cinema in Newcastle that shows all of the the small releases, Tyneside Cinema, where I also do a, a film quiz every other month, and it's just. Really fantastic film, so I would suggest that. Mm. So your recommendations are Under the Shadow for your movie, The Quick for your novel, and Small Town Horror Mm -hmm. for your podcast. If we continue to get the amazing support we've been getting so far and Season 2 just become a reality, if you like the idea of getting a trifecta of recommendations probably a bit briefer and a little bit tidier than what we've just done there, then do <laughs> let us know. And I think we would enjoy doing that. I'm always, I've always got my notes in a book. Uh, David's always got his headphones on listening to a podcast. And um, who who isn't always watching films? So Sometimes three, but all three at once. <laughs> and, and then again, and it would all kind of be stuff that if you're a fan of Shadows of the Door, we think you'd be a fan of these things too. So do let us know. I think this has probably gone on a bit of a while today because I kind of don't want it to end.
2: (laughs) Don't worry, it is the end, but the moment has been prepared for. It has been
1: prepared for. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so this, this this concludes the first season or series of Shadows at the Door, the podcast. You will be hearing our tones again very soon. Because we will be doing the QA episode that a lot of you have asked for. We have quite a few questions now. There's still room for a few more if you want to. And we very much look forward well, it'll probably just be like an maybe an hour long special where we just answer these questions and and, and what have you. As for season two, we really do want to do it. I think we mm-hmm. already have quite a few stories in mind. We've we've even considered some some more voice actors. We just, we 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 need the help to get there. If you can support us with that, it would be very much appreciated. We would love to continue to bring you classy, quiet horror, as we dare to call it.
2: Absolutely. So the more tea that you can, uh, more cups of Earl Grey that you can provide for us, uh, the better. And we will... uh bringing you on either this feed or on the coffee site but probably on this feed uh some various little things throughout the year just to keep keep us in your minds i think is probably best um whether those be bloopers (laughs) or just little uh little discussion type things over the course of the year uh until series two has uh has become a reality
1: and drunk ghost stories, because I want to get hammered and talk about ghosts. Drunk ghost stories, yes. When I get drunk, I get more northern, so I'm like, "Why, oh, David, ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> ghosts. It's never ghosts, it's ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It goes a bit deeper, too, for some reason. <laughs> but for now, thank you very much. Do continue to pour yourself some tea. Stay by the fire.
2: And we'll speak to you soon. We will see you very soon. You've been listening to a Shadows at the Door production. Story by Mark Nixon. Performances by David Alt. Music by Nico Vatesi. Editing by Mark Nixon. Copyright held by Shadows at the Door Publishing. If you enjoyed this production, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you very soon.